Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, December 5th, 2017. I'm Broadway World's Matt Timonini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, uh, you went and saw Once on This Island last night. That's why we're recording on early Tuesday morning. I don't want you to give away too much because I'm sure you'll talk about it on This Week on Broadway. But in a nutshell, a postage stamp review, what can you say? I hope they have a cast recording. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's a really, really good group of talent. Yeah, really amazing. All right. Um, <laughs> I, I, I texted you from the theater last night, and I said, I'm It's at, absurd. I, I'm at once on this island, and everybody's talking about SpongeBob. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about SpongeBob. All right. So the reviews are in for SpongeBob SquarePants, which is two words. SpongeBob is one word, and SquarePants is a oh. second word. On Broadway. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, I screwed mm-hmm. that one up. Mm-hmm. Are you sure? All the artwork has it uh, as one word. But anyway. Um, no, SpongeBob th- is one word, and SquarePants is, is a no- second word. Uh, I'm, an, I'm not sure about that. I'm looking at a huge roadblock on Broadway World right now, and it sure looks like SquarePants is one word. But Yeah, SquarePants is one word. That's not what you just said. What did I say? You said SpongeBob was one word and SquarePants was two words. Oh, SquarePants is the second word. I'm so confused. Okay. It doesn't matter. Yeah. This is all confusing, and it's way too damn early to be talking about. Anyway, okay, so the review – I don't know what's more confusing, that these reviews are raves or that we're talking about the the nomenclature of SpongeBob SquarePants. Anyway, okay, so like I said, the reviews for SpongeBob SquarePants, the musical on Broadway – are insanely good. Uh, The show opened up at the Palace Theater last night. As we know, it is directed by the great Tina Landau and has a score by just a ridiculous collection of pop music talent, including Sarah Bareilles, John Legend, the late, great um uh, uh david bowie aerosmith uh plain white tees all of panic at the disco all of these weird eclectic groups of people that have very little connection to theater but then you throw in people like Borellis and cindy lopper and then there's some people with some broadway cred it's just weird anyway the musical arrangements are by tom kitt so he brings some theatrical continuity to it and choreographer choreography is by christopher gatelli and the reviews are really, really good, including, for the most part, from one Ben Brantley from The New York Times who said, quote, for what it's worth, and we're talking millions of dollars here, you are never going to see as convincing an impersonation of a two-dimensional cartoon by a three-dimensional human as that provided by Ethan Slater at the Palace Theater. Mr. Slater plays the title role in SpongeBob SquarePants, the Broadway musical, the ginormous giggle of a show that opened on Monday night. The 24-year-old Slater making his Broadway debut in Tina Landau's exhaustingly imaginative production achieves this metamorphosis sans prosthetics, skin dye, or a facsimile costume. And he's playing a sea creature from a television children's show, for God's sake, one that appears to be a bright yellow rectangular kitchen sponge. Mr. Slater, I should hasten to add, shares the stage with a peer in capturing exactly the innocently idiotic spirit of the Nickelodeon television series and $13 billion retail merchandising empire that inspired this lavish production. By whom I mean the designer David Zinn, whose sets and costumes raised the bar for trippy visuals in mainstream theater. Overseeing this grandly infantile universe is Miss Landau, who made her name as a boundary testing 
casting director of the avant-garde. She turns out to have been just the person for the job, never betraying the tone of instructive anarchy, packaging life lessons in Looney Tunes-style adventure yarns that has always been the hallmark of SpongeBob SquarePants. Okay, here's the good part. Uh, uh, not, not that that wasn't good, but this is a really, really great little passage from Brantley. So, in other words, you will probably adore this musical if A, SpongeBob was a formative influence on your childhood. B, you are a stoner who tokes up to watch reruns of the show on YouTube. Categories A and B are not mutually exclusive. Or C, if you are, like my date for this show, a parent of SpongeBob binging progeny and found its sensibility crept into and wallpapered your weary mind. If you are none of the above, you will find your patience sorely tested. But if you are obliged to accompany one of the sponge happy types listed above, might I suggest you do what I did. That would be to immerse yourself in random, preferably early episodes of the series, and then marvel at how the creative team here replicates their seemingly inimitable tone and substance. Or you could indulge in some illegal inhalation, although I didn't say that. That's a I read a lot more of Brantley's review than normal, but it is so weirdly packed with really specific uh, details. I wanted to get as much of that in as possible. And I think for a show called SpongeBob SquarePants, that's about as positive as you're going to get out of the New York Times. Um, a couple other ones I wanted to mention. Our, our friend Adam Feldman from Time Out in New York gave the show four out of five stars. He said, quote, are you ready? The splashy new Broadway musical SpongeBob SquarePants, whose arrival was greeted in some circles with sneers of anticipatory derision, turns out to be a joy. No, not here. Turns out to be a joy. Like its irrepressible yellow hero played by the peppy and limber-limbed Ethan Slater, the show is unabashedly committed to imagination and dorky enthusiasm. As SpongeBob and his squirrel friend, Sandy, Lily Cooper, labor to save their undersea town, the cheekily named Bikini Bottom, from a local volcano, the wonders of Tina Landau's production pour from the stage in a ravishing stream of color and invention that such you into its merry, silly currents. And finally, Sarah Holdren from Vulture wrote, quote, quote, each episode, speaking of the TV show, each episode begins with a painting of a pirate whose animated mouth asks an imagined audience of enthusiastic wee ones two gravely important questions. One, are you ready, kids? And two, that unforgettable melodic query that more people could probably recite on demand than the who's there that begins Hamlet. Who lives in a pineapple under the sea? That is the question. And now the big, bubbly, neon, sparkly, multicolor, confetti-covered love boat of an answer has cast anchor on Broadway. Under the joyfully maximalist, I don't know that I've ever heard that word before, hand of Steppenwolf vet Tina Landau, Bikini Bottom gets the more is more is more is more treatment with a DAY twist that's both endlessly charming and integral to the production spirit. No one is trying to pretend that this SpongeBob isn't backed by massive treasure chests, but that booty isn't put to work trying to create a slick illusion. Instead, Landau and her team have embraced a playful, pack-ratty spirit. Their world is a collage, a crafty collection of flotsam and jetsam piled high into an ingenious, often-inspired playground. Now, James, we've talked about before our friend Rabbi Rizal loved the show, went back and saw it twice, so we knew that it wasn't complete schlock. But I'm still kind of blown away by how positive all of these reviews are. Yeah, I am too. I am too. But you know, as we ca- as we caveated, is caveated a word? Ca- sure. If if not, we made it up. 
as we caveated, as we said, oh my God, SpongeBob SquarePants, we also followed up by with an amazing mm-hmm. group of people here. So, you know, it doesn't surprise me on one hand. On the other hand, wow. I mean, <laughs> and can you really yeah. can you really think you know that uh, some of the new musicals coming in were like you know uh, if I was in the strategy meeting for some of the other musicals and up on the whiteboard there was you know oh we're in contention against uh, this and that and the other thing <laughs> we're up against the band's visit and uh, we're up against Frozen but Fro- Mean uh, Girls Mean Girls you know let uh, we don't even have to worry about SpongeBob. But yeah. you know, oops. So <laughs> here it is. Here mm-hmm. it is. So uh yeah. you know Jesse Oxfeld, uh uh Jesse is a writer, he wrote for Vox, wrote for a, a bunch of other things uh he wrote on Facebook. <laughs> I've never seen the cartoon. Are SpongeBob's biceps always this distracting? <laughs> <laughs> I honestly haven't seen the cartoon either. So I'm going to guess no, though. Just putting it out there. Yeah. So that's excellent. I see it on Thursday, and I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be, it's yeah. quite quite a week I'm going to have here, seeing mm-hmm. all this great stuff. All right. What's up in the show and casting news? Well, yesterday, the Second Stage Theater announced that erstwhile Lone Ranger Army Hammer and stage and screen star Tom Skerritt will appear in Gene Lee's play Straight White Men on Broadway next summer. Directed by Anna D. Shapiro, the show will be Hammer's Broadway debut and will begin performances at the Helen Hayes Theater on June 29th of 2018. The show is described thusly, it's Christmas Eve and Ed has gathered his three adult sons to celebrate with matching pajamas, trash talking and Chinese takeout. But when a question they can't answer interrupts their holiday cheer, they are forced to confront their own identities. Additional casting will be named later. As many people listening might know, Cameron is currently getting a ton of Oscar buzz for the film Call Me By Your Name, which is in limited release right now. So it sounds like he might be parlaying an Oscar nomination and potential win into his Broadway debut. So that's really exciting. In other news that... James, I think this almost surprised us even more than the SpongeBob reviews. Yesterday, the Roundabout Theater Company announced that former New York Yankee right fielder Mr. October Reggie Jackson has joined the benefit concert reading production of Damn Yankees to star in the role of Mr. Welch, the role that was previously going to be played by James Earl Jones. He joins an incredible cast, including Maggie Gyllenhaal, Matthew Morrison, uh, Danny Burstein, Victoria Clark, Annie Golden, Julie Halston, and Adrian Warren, uh, as well as Whoopi Goldberg as Miss, well, not Mr. Applegate, as just as Applegate. Um, the concert will be held in December on the 11th at 7.30 p.m. at the Stephen Sondheim Theater and, of course, is uh, a benefit for all of the great things that Roundabout does. I, I, I know Reggie as a commentator for baseball and stuff like that. I, I would not have pegged him for an actor, though, James. Yeah, I think that this is uh, right out of the Weisler playbook. Uh, of, of stunt casting here. <laughs> uh, and I'm a huge Yankee fan and a huge Reggie fan. It reminds me of uh, of the 77-78 Yankees when Reggie uh, hit four home runs. And um, to see the combination of my beloved Yankees and <laughs> damn Yankees in actuality and Broadway and things like that, what could make me happier? 
I don't know. Well, uh, just to be clear, uh, the role that Mr. October is going to be playing is not a singing role. He plays. No. He's going to be playing the owner of the Washington Senators. Sure. So he's not going to be singing, although I'm sure he'll they'll probably get him in on a group number at the end or something. But um, not a lot of heavy lifting for him, but interesting nonetheless. Speaking of interesting, I don't know if this will add to your excitement, James, but apparently, speaking of the Weisler's playbook, um, the Broadway production of Chicago is going to be bringing in a new matron, Mama Morton, for eight weeks only beginning on January 15th through the 11th of March. And that will be Grammy Awards singing so- singer-songwriter, but most notably, most recently, known as a cast member on The Real Housewives of Atlanta, Candy Burris. Uh, Burris is a part of the mega, I don't know, R&B group from the 90s and early 2000s Escape. Uh, they broke up for a while, and then I apparently got back together to thwart a an expose, unauthorized miniseries about them. But she's also a member of the Real Housewives of Atlanta. I'm assuming this gets some people excited. I would not be one of them. I have no idea who this person is. I had to look her up. But apparently a lot of people are interested in this. And as you said, this is perfect for what the Weislers do over at the Ambassador Theater. Um, in some other news, we've talked about this before, but it sounds like Jay Armstrong Johnson will be remaining with the off-Broadway premiere of The Mad Ones, the not new but reorchestrated musical that was once the unauthorized autobiography of Samantha Brown. He'll be replacing Ben Fankhauser, who has had to miss the entire run of the show due to vocal rest. Um, the musical is from Kate Kerrigan and Brian Loudermilk, and uh, really feel bad for Ben Fankhauser because this is a show that a lot of people have been interested in for a long time during its developmental process, and to finally see it come to 59, he's 59th, and he's not able to do it. That's uh, really disappointing. But we've talked about before, Jay Armstrong, John. Johnson jumped in like two days after getting the script. So congratulations to him. And uh, I'm sure this will be a show we'll hear about again in the future. And then finally, in this section, James, yesterday, producer Jeffrey Seller announced that on Tuesday, December 19th at the Pantages Theater in Los Angeles, every single ticket for the APM performance of Hamilton will be just a Hamilton. I can't even imagine how excited my Some Like a Pop co-host Jennifer McHugh is right now. She is, even though it's a digital lottery, she's probably camping outside just to make sure she has really good <laughs> Wi-Fi to get in. Um, all tickets will be sold via the Hamilton Digital Lottery, which is part of the app. Patrons can enter the lottery from December 4th through the 17th. They can download the app at hamiltonmusical.com slash app. And beginning on December 18th, winners will receive a single-use code from Ticketmaster, Always got to keep things verified, uh, which they can use to purchase one or two tickets. Um, in a in a statement, Jeffrey Seller said, thousands of people have seen Hamilton in L.A. for $10 through Ham for Ham. Before we leave on December 30th, we want to make it possible for another 2,550 people to enjoy the show for $10. Accessibility remains one of our strongest goals, and we will continue to explore ways to make Hamilton affordable for those who cannot bear the expense of traditional theater prices. I you know, James, we've talked about Hamilton now for the entire run of today on Broadway and all of the different things they do. And at some point you feel like the tide has to turn and we have to get cynical about it. But they keep doing things like this in Eduham that just makes you more and more appreciative as to how this show was put together by Lynn at the very beginning and then how it's being produced by Jeffrey Seller and team afterwards. I agree with you 100 percent. Uh they are they are riding this wave and they're not they're not coming off the crest. That's great. So let's go off script for a second. Uh oh. Did you see? Have, are you getting text messages? Are you getting emails about this thing, the Broadway League I, thing? 
I just actually, when I was looking at the SpongeBob uh, spelling controversy we had at the top of the show, I refreshed Broadway World, and apparently we have breaking news that the Broadway League has filed a legal complaint against multiple casting agencies over health insurance battle. I, I honestly, it popped up while we were recording, so I haven't read it. But uh, do you want me to go ahead and read this article here real quick for you, James? Uh, yeah, I uh, yeah, absolutely. This is a really important. Uh, wow, I can't believe the league is is filing yeah. filing a lawsuit against the casting directors because of their uh, attempt to unionize. Yeah, let me just read the beginning of yeah. this article and we'll go from there. Today in the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York, the Broadway League filed a formal legal complaint against what a press release refers to as, quote, a cartel of casting companies who are violating antitrust laws, jeopardizing Broadway shows and harming actors, stagehands, musicians and others who depend on the theater for their livelihood. The casting directors have maintained, however, that they are the only Broadway workers without a union and they do not get health care or uh, retirement contributions from the show they work for. Casting directors are organizing a union with Teamsters Local 817 and are calling on Broadway producers to negotiate a union contract. Specifically, today's complaint asserts that, quote, certain actions by the casting cartel represent clear violations of the Sherman Act, a law designed to help protect against anti-competitive behavior. According to the complaint, the casting cartel defendants have participated in a common scheme to create, enhance, aggregate, or exploit their collective market power for casting services for Broadway production. This scheme has included unlawful contracts, combinations and conspiracies and restraint of trade, clear violations of Section 1 of the Sherman Act, which was designed to protect against such specific behavior. Um, There's more there. I won't read all of it, but you can also get um, they have a full copy of the legal complaint that is in at least the article on Broadway World and I'm sure other places. But uh, this is uh, a major step. Like this is this is like uh, going from, you know, protests out in front of Radio City Music Hall during the Tony's performance to going full, you know, nuclear and and trying to see what the you know, what remains after the scorched earth policy. So I'm reading the complaint here. It's filed against Bernie Telsey Casting Incorporated, Tara Rubin, uh, uh, Jim Carnahan, Cagliari Casting, Cindy Tolan, Stuart Whitley Casting, Casting Society of America, and the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, Theatrical Drivers, and Helpers, Local 817. So the first handful of casting company, the first you know, two-thirds of this list, yeah, I, don't think, I don't think that they're going to have big legal departments, but the Casting Society of America and 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 the Teamsters – they're suing the Teamsters and the Casting Society of America. I think that um, this is going to be a monumental shift on Broadway. Uh, yeah. And and the uh, I like we, we I just started reading it as you were uh, reading the article from Broadway World. Uh, the, the, the league is outlining how Broadway is not making enough money. Oh Jesus Christ. Yeah, so I haven't gotten uh, this. This thing is uh, sixty, seventy, some odd pages, but I, yeah. I've only I've only read the first couple of pages of it. But uh, wow, I can't believe that this is the route that they feel they had to go. Well, and it's weird. I mean, it feels like the Broadway League is swatting a fly with a sledgehammer. It, you know, it, it, to, like I said before, the the the, the casting directors. We're doing things you normally see groups that are trying to unionize do. They were getting the word out. They were, you know, doing, you know, picketing, whatever. It, 
and it just seems like for the league to go to filing a suit, like this major suit against them, it just seems they had drastic. They there had has to, to have something else going on. Yeah. They, well, they had to have gone this route because they felt like they were about to lose. Sure, well, very true. Very true. This is uh, so all you know. Negotiations must have broken down because you don't file a, a lawsuit while you're still negotiating, and they must have felt like. Uh, they, they were about to lose this fight, and the casting directors were, were going to be able to unionize. So this is a preemptive lawsuit. Uh, wow. But, you know, just we just got this minutes ago. So uh, we'll see how it develops today, and we'll bring you an update tomorrow on that. Yeah. Uh, let's do last week's Broadway grosses. Speaking of how nobody's making any money on Broadway, um, unsurprisingly, last week's Broadway grosses took a fairly significant hit from the previous week. But seeing as that previous week was Thanksgiving, that's to be expected. The difference wasn't so much in how many tickets were sold, but instead in how much shows were charging for said tickets. With time in the Conways closed, Broadway was down just one show, but only dropped 8.467% in terms of tickets sold, but saw a fall of 23.28% in terms of sales. That translates to nearly $24 in decline per ticket sold on Broadway last week, thanks in no small part to dynamic and premium pricing. Only five shows saw week-to-week gains, Beautiful, which rose nearly $113,000, and Butterfly Junk, Home for the Holidays, and Hello, Dolly, while 21 shows saw declines of over six figures. The biggest fall was for School of Rock, but since they did a special ninth performance during the Thanksgiving week, that makes sense. Hamilton led the way with $2.8 million, followed by Dolly at 2.48, The Lion King at 2.09, Wicked at 1.83, and Dear Evan Hansen at 1.75. The rest of the weekly millionaires were Aladdin, The Book of Mormon, Come From Away, The Band's Visit, Waitress, and Beautiful. Down at the other end of the scale, our favorite little holiday punching bag, Home From the Holidays, did see that increase that I mentioned earlier, ticking up $14,465, but it wasn't enough for the show's receipts to eclipse a grand total of $63,000. The show's average ticket price was uh, $24.54, and its percent of gross potential was just 4.3%. For comparison, Hello, Dolly! was tops in that category with 135.5%. The total number of people that were seeing Home for the Holidays uh, per performance is just down around 325, I think it was. Um, So not great things over there at the August Wilson. Um, let's look now at the two musicals that have opened in the last two days and see how they were doing pre-rave reviews. First, Once on This Island was at $395,580, or just at 50% of its gross potential. Now, keep in mind that this opened on Sunday, so opening night was factored in uh, to those grosses. SpongeBob, on the other hand, was at $583,037, which was also at right about 49%. Obviously, SpongeBob is a much more more expensive show to produce. But I also think that these reviews that we talked about at the beginning of the show might have a bigger impact on this one than they do on Once on This Island. With raves from critics, uh, I think that might give theater fans and skeptical ticket buyers permission to go see this show, um, especially because so many people had scoffed at it just on name alone, like we've mentioned earlier, not that we would ever do that. Um, So I'm interested to see how these reviews impact SpongeBob. Maybe not this week, but the following week uh, and thereafter. 
Manhattan Theater Club's. Oh, did you want to add something there, James? No, I thought you wrapped. Okay. Oh no, no, one more, one more. Manhattan Theater Club's The Children had its first performances on Broadway last week, and in seven performances, grossed to just one hundred ninety-three thousand seven hundred seven dollars. But as a subscription house, we know that they almost always start slow for those shows. Yeah. So uh, I'm wondering if the SpongeBob SquarePants is going to be um, a, a a large holiday present that uh, parents will take their kids to it. They are going to just assume it's a cartoonish type of thing. I can, you know, this Charlie and the Chocolate Factory thing is closed, so let's go to SpongeBob, you know. Uh, yeah. So uh, I, I, I've seen, you know, big numbers in the future for SpongeBob. Uh, what do we have in the recommendation section? All right. Well, we spent a little bit more time on that Broadway League story, so I'm just going to go through these really quick. There's three videos that I'll put in the show notes that you can check out at broadwayradio.com. The first is, as we've talked about before, Lin-Manuel Miranda's musical performance on Curb Your Enthusiasm from HBO. Apparently, he performed in a something called Fatwa the Musical. Um, so, I, I don't watch I, I don't watch uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, no. but in, in addition to Lin Manuel Miranda, also featured F Murray Abraham, so that's got to be a lot of fun. Um, and then also there's a trailer for an upcoming PBS documentary on the great Lorraine Hansberry, the playwright behind A Reason in the Sun. The um, uh, the, the the trailer at least shows that they're not just going to be talking about the impact of of Raisin in the Sun, which they definitely do. Sidney Potier is in there, um, as well as uh, as interviews with Ruby D and Louis Gatza Jr. Um, but they also talk about her work as a social activist and and a writer uh, and covering some of those things. So definitely check that out. And then finally, there's another video from inside the recording studio um, for the cast recording of Sunday in the Park with George that features Jake Gyllenhaal and Annalee Ashford singing move on you see the director uh, uh sarna lapine along with her uncle james lapine and then stephen sondheim is also in there uh, so a cool little video to uh, uh see at the end of the day it is move on so it's uh, a lot of anna lee singing with a little bit of jake uh, belting as well so uh i love that show and i i love uh this cast recording i love anna lee ashford so i figured that's a really good way to uh move on from all of the junk that we've had to endure um, for the last few days. So uh, what, definitely check like any junk? of those out. No, <laughs> I did not see junk. I, I, did, I meant junk with a lowercase j, not oh, an uppercase okay. j. Yeah. All right. Why don't you get us out of here? All right. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter at BWWMatt and subscribe to Something Like a Pop on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for uh, spending some of your Tuesday with us. And Matt and I will be back. Oh, no. To just Matt? No, 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 Matt and I will no, be back we're, to talk yes. with you tomorrow. Yes.